you so much for your presence. God, among your people this morning, wherever they are, God, thank you so much for your presence. And our prayer is that they feel the same presence of God there that we feel right here. Lord, we just magnify you. God, we thank you that you have united us, Lord, in a very special way, God, across multiple places in multiple venues. And Lord, that is the miracle working power of God on display for the world to see. Now, Lord, we honor you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Somebody say it with me. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm going to fight. 
Come on. We fight without fear. Uh, sometimes we fight through fear. It's not, it's not anything to be ashamed of that sometimes we get afraid. That's a natural human emotion. We know that. But we know that instead of natural human emotions, God desires to replace those with supernatural emotions. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So sometimes we fight through fear, but we never fight because of fear. Right? So we operate our battle based on faith. That no matter what happens to us or around us or in us, that there is a mighty God present on the scene who can make a turnaround. And I am believing that there is a mighty God on the scene in the earth making a turnaround. And the things that people are facing and going through right now, even though we might not see it, He is at work in the government. He is at work in the leaders. He is at work in those that are sick. There is a mighty God who is able to do miraculous things. And we're going to see that. Come on. There is never a battle that catches God off guard. There has never been an attack that surprised Him. There will never be a foe that He cannot defeat. So now is the time to trust God and to fight your spiritual battle like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And here's what the Bible says uh, in the book of 2 Timothy. We're still getting to Daniel, but hang with me. The book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, starting at verse 3. Paul says to Timothy, uh, Timothy who was a very young preacher, Timothy who was someone who needed some encouragement and even really some maturity uh, in his life, spiritually and in all ways. And, and, and Paul says this to him, he says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Verse 4, soldiers don't get tied up, listen to that, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And so there are so many things that the enemy wants to catch us up in right now. The affairs of civilian life. But listen, you're in a new army and you are a soldier in that army. And Jesus has enlisted us in a fight. And there is a war to win. And there is a hope to fight for. The world needs hope. The world needs love. And the world needs Jesus. Look at your neighbor's body and say, the world needs Jesus. Come on, somebody. Right? But not just the world. The people of God have to hold on to hope. And remember that God is an ever-present help in time of trouble, in time of need. That in a world dominated by a new virus and constant news updates about how another person has contracted it, it will be easy to lose focus on anything except what is right in front of us. And I appreciate it and I support I'll just say it. I don't care if we're online or not. I appreciate and support our president and the stand that he's taken to help in this time of need in our nation. Uh, in our world faces, I appreciate that God is the one who places authority in our lives. And we respect and we honor that and we pray for that authority. Uh, it's been likened to a war with an unseen enemy. But this COVID-19 virus is not the only unseen enemy. Because I was reminded that there has always been an invisible enemy facing this planet. In particular, the people of God. Come on. The church and all those who would call on the name of Jesus have an enemy. He wants to trip you up. He wants to pull you down. He wants to discourage all that you begin to do and think and even pray. Why do you think it's so strange that every time you get down and pray, because every message that I'm hearing, not only I've preached it, I've, I've heard other uh, people talk about it and preach it, and they're saying we've got to use this time to draw close to God. And, and so you're thinking, I'm going to do that. And man, this week I'm going to draw close to God. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get up early or I'm going to stay up late or whatever. I'm going to pray. And you get down to pray, and it's like everything in the world. You don't even got nothing going on right now. You know, you're quarantined. All we got to do, all we're doing is eating food, man. Everybody's gained 
you're not and you can't focus to pray. Why? Why? Because there's an attack. There's an attack on everything we begin to do and think and even pray if we're a Christian. The devil has been after the body of Christ for thousands of years and he works through back channels. Those places where we least expect him. Back channels can be things like those relationships that we allow to go toxic or those thoughts that we dwell on and we shouldn't be dwelling on or those fears and problems or disappointments that we face and when we want comfort and peace from the storm, the enemy of our soul will do his dead level best to use against us the very things we're seeking God's help to deal with, right? So he works through back channels, but then he also, uh, the enemy moves through places where we've left open, places we've left open or places we've left unclean, unclean. And that's why right now, somebody say right now, come on, right there, look at your neighbor and say right now, right now is the best time in your life, hang on, to live a holy life, to live a holy life. Look at your neighbor and say, did he say holy, holy, holiness? What's he talking about? Now is the best time of your life to live a holy life. We have to remain pure and undefiled and holy through the blood of Jesus applied to our life. And listen, don't get tired in the middle of your battle and compromise your defenses. It would be easy to do, but it leaves our spirit open to attack. Listen, holiness, this is another thing that, I, and, and it seems like even for me, as I, as I minister and preach and, and study, that God brings puzzle pieces back together, and it's almost like that's why I've been talking to you about that. That's why I've been saying that. That's why you've been preaching that. It's for a time such as this. Holiness is not a bygone idea that's no longer relevant, but instead holiness is a present-day byproduct of a passionate relationship with Jesus that changes you from the inside out. If there's no change in your life, it's probably for two reasons. Number one, you're not passionate enough about Jesus, and number two, you're not allowing the spirit of holiness to take residence in your life because it's not about how you look on the outside, but it's all about what Jesus is trying to do for you on the inside. Listen, he's not going to pour his treasures into vessels that are unclean. And so for those of us that know what to do, he says, if you know to do right, you better do right. We got it. This is our time and our moment to seek the face of God for holiness so that he can pour all the good things of God into us that he desires. So holiness means, here's what it means. Holiness means that I'm set apart for the pleasure of God. For the pleasure of God. I'm not set apart to, to be away from things I love or enjoy or wish I could do or everything's a sin. or every, You know, we've heard that message before. And I'm, that's, that's not exactly right. But holiness means that I'm set apart for the pleasure of God. That means I'm set apart so that when God wants to bring good things into my life, all he's got to do is reach over, get a hold of me and pour in. Pour in the good things of God. And when God sets me apart, he promises his protection and his power and his presence upon my life. So don't be afraid to come close to Jesus because all the promises and blessings and presence of God are most prevalent in our life when we come close to Him. Look at your neighbor and say, I've got to come close. Thirdly, the enemy of our soul invades through the silence of secrecy. That there may be those who are listening today, and I really do believe that there are because God sets these, these things up. God knows exactly who's going to be listening and tuning in at the exact time that you will. There may be those listening today who are trapped in a place that feels isolated and alone. Don't misunderstand. Isolation is the place where the enemy wants you to occupy. But in the middle of your isolation, 
God is reaching out to you. No matter how alone you may feel at the moment, there is a living God that is reaching out to you where you are. And Jesus wants to come near to you. And the truth is, we are never alone, not for a minute are we forsaken, that the God that we serve is with us. Listen, what is the enemy's goal? Simply to make us give up and to fail and to fall and to quit and to stop living and stop lifting up the name of Jesus. But God is there to help you go the other direction. I'm going to tell you countless Bible stories. Uh, show us the actions and the strategies of the enemy towards us. And so uh, with this ever-present reality that we have a silent enemy on our trail, what are we supposed to do? I want to try to answer that from a story in Scripture. And it's in the book of Daniel. Um, if you're there already, you can turn to chapter 3. We're beginning at verse number 1. For some of you, this will be a very familiar passage. I love this story. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, let me just let me just uh, back up for a second, give some context. Uh, Daniel was a Hebrew. He was a, a person of Israel, right? Uh, a Jew, and so the Jews, uh, Daniel and many others, were in exile and they were captured. And he had a new king over him. And uh, the thing about it is, even in the middle of his captivity, uh, God blessed and favored and anointed Daniel and promoted him. And so he was in a high position, right? So that's a little bit of his backstory. But, the uh, Bible says in, in Daniel 3 verse 1 that King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, verse 2. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up, verse 3. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 4. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. Verse 5. When you hear the sound, when you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and the pipes and other musical instruments, when you hear the sound, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue, verse 6, and anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing, fiery furnace. Did you hear what it said? Hear the sound. When you hear the sound, bow down. When you hear the sound, bow down. This is the same message of the enemy, although we don't see it in a physical sense with a golden statue. This is the same message of the enemy going into the earth right now. That when you hear the sound, you need to bow down. That when you hear about the fear, you need to bow down to it. That when you hear about the problems, you just need to bow down to it. That when you hear about what's happening around you, you just need to bow down. It feels like the underlying message of the times to me. Come on. That obviously we are not near this level of extremity in our government or in our world, yet nevertheless we are forced to isolate, quarantine, pull away from the places and the people that we love. But this message, come on, isn't about our government, it's not about the state of the world, but it's about a constant hidden enemy, the one who has the same agenda for your life as he did who the, about the men who were reading in this story. Because just as the wicked king in this Bible story sets up a statue for the people to bow down to, so also the devil sets up statues and he says, you need to bow. You need to bow. Not physical statues, but he sets up statues of fear and problems and guilt and shame and temptation that temptation, it's every time, every time that temptation, you got to bow down. You can't stop yourself. You got to bow down to that. 
bow down when you hear this guy. Anger. And every time this happens, you just got to get angry. It's just your nature. It's just who you are. It's just how you're wired. It's just how you operate. And regardless of saying that if we're a child of God, then we're a brand new creation and the fruit of the Holy Spirit lives in us. Listen, we don't have to hear the sound that the enemy pumps into our brain and just bow down to that as though we were robots. No, we choose to stand against those things. The enemy wants you to bow down to his statues and when you hear the noise of worry or the noise of doubt or the noise of fear creeping upon us, we've got a choice to make in that moment. We have a choice to make and look, we have to choose to bow or we can choose to stand. Look at your neighbor and say, choose to stand. Choose to stand. Let me say it again. We can choose to bow or we can choose to stand. If you're in the comment section right now, right now is where you need a hashtag. Choose to stand. Listen, am I going to stand or am I going to bow? When I hear the next message about who's got a disease, am I going to stand or am I going to bow? When I hear the next thing about how I might not have a job, am I going to stand or am I going to bow? Whenever the next worry comes across my mind about the prayer that God hasn't answered yet that I've prayed a hundred times and I sure wish he would come through, am I going to stand or am I going to bow? Here's what happened in the story of Daniel chapter 3, uh, verse number 12. It said, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember those guys? I remember those guys from Sunday school. I remember the little Sunday school classrooms uh, where I grew up, and they always had a little green flannel board. You remember that? And you had the little paper people, and you stuck them to it, right? I'll never forget that. And this was the, like one of the most popular stories on the flannel board, except for Jesus on the cross. And you'd stick them to it. Right? But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. Notice this for a second. This is not in my notes, but let me just say this. They were in charge even though they were in captivity. They were still in charge. Even though you may be in the middle of a situation where it feels like you are a captive of that situation, you still have power and authority in the middle of it. Given to you by Jesus. Let me keep going. Whom you have put in charge in the province of Babylon, they pay no attention to you. Your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you set up. So let me ask a question. What are you paying the most attention to right now? What's getting your attention and your time and your talents and your resources? Are you focused on the now and the problems and the hurt and the past? Or will you choose to pay no attention to what seems like? should have the most attention. Man, oh man, I can't wait till the day where we come back to church and there's a whole lot of people who are filling this room and I'm going to have some amen corner people going on all over. If God is good, I'm telling you, He is able to do anything. Mm -mm -mm. What's getting your attention? The enemy puts statues in front of us and declares that those statues of uh, fear and, and pain and problems or whatever it is, those statues that they are so big. Look at your neighbor and say, they're so big. They're so big that nothing else but the false statue of fear or hurt or my past or my problem or my situation, nothing is so big in front of me that nothing else, I'm not able to see anything else. Nothing can get my attention. In fact, even the world around us in the present moment seems to declare to us that we're crazy if this COVID-19 isn't the only thing on our mind. But here's the reality. The reality is that when Jesus is in front of us, He is bigger than anything else. When Jesus is in front of us, He takes the preeminence. When Jesus is the one that you are following, when Jesus is the one leading you, when He's the one that you are after, He is bigger than anything else. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is bigger. And there is no way that we can see anything else except the power of the mighty
Almighty God who walks before us. And that's why it's important to keep Jesus in front of you right now. And that's why it's important to be led of the Spirit right now. And that's why it's important to follow Him right now. Verse number 13. The story goes on. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage in order that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? Is it true? Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I want you to listen to what the king says next. It's the same fear tactic that the invisible enemy of my soul uses today. That when we don't cower in fear, when we're different, when we're peculiar, when we're a little weird, because we don't act the same way as everybody else or fear the same things as everybody, everyone else. But when we don't cower in fear of what he's trying to do, when he gives us the ultimatum and he tells us one more chance, he declares to us that if you won't, if you won't bow down, then here's, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. The devil says, if you won't buy the compromise in your marriage, then here's what I'm going to do to you. And he tries to cower in fear. If you won't bow to fear in your life, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy you. And if you won't bow to the things that everyone else is bowing to, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you look like an outcast. But can I tell you that believers in Jesus, are you with me? I hope you're with me. Believers in Jesus will only bow to the name that is above every other name. Sometimes fear might seem to put me down, and sometimes my circumstance might seem to put me down, but I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to turn toward Jesus, and I'm going to bow to the only name under heaven and earth whereby we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus that holds your power and your strength and your resource today. Here's what the king tells him in verse number 15. He said, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And listen to this. Then he says this. Uh, here's what the devil says every time or your situation. He says, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? It's the age-old message of the devil in the world. Constantly, the enemy wars against our mind and our thoughts and our prayers, saying, what God is big enough to rescue you? Let me tell you something. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't listen. He might try to tell you there is no God that can save, but we know that that is not true because even in the current state of the world and in all that's going on, there is still a God that can save. I'm telling you, there is still a God that can save you today. You may be listening right now, and I believe with all my heart that God sets up divine opportunities. And this may be your divine opportunity to hear the fact that Jesus loves you, that Jesus has a plan for you. And even in the midst of what's going on in the earth and in the world, there is still a God with saving power, still a God with all-consuming power. Still a God with authority, still a God with wonder and awe. And the Bible declares in Psalms chapter 89, verse 8, that, O Lord, God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? He says, You are entirely faithful. Hmm. Look at Psalm chapter 94, verse 22. Scripture says, But the Lord is my fortress, my God is the mighty rock where I hide. Also in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verse number 25, in the King James Version, uh, he says, Wherefore, and he's talking about the Lord, wherefore, he is able 
There you go. There's that hashtag. Hashtag he is able. Right there. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. What that's trying to say to you is wherever you're at right now, even if you don't feel like there's anybody praying for you or with you, that if you're a child of God and a believer in Jesus, that Jesus himself sits by the throne of his father and he says, Father, we've got to do something about this one and we've got to help this one and, and I'm praying to you about this one and he intercedes on your behalf. He stands in front of the father for you. When these men of God are talking about a place and a situation to bow or burn, this was their response. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Why? Because God was to defend Verse 17. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But now listen to their choice. Verse number 18. He says, but even if he doesn't, there's the stand right there. There's the stand. He's able to rescue me. He's able to heal me. He's able to help me. He's able to come through for me. He's able. He's able. And, and they're openly declaring, I don't understand everything about the Lord. I know he's able. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. And here's what I want you to know. Listen, you and I have to make it painfully clear to the enemy that we will not bow. Not to his lie, not to his temptation, not to his fear, not to his problem, not to his worry, and not to his ultimatum. We do not bow. And even if we burn up seemingly in the trial, we do not bow. We choose to stand. Daniel chapter 3, verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage and he commanded the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. Listen to that. That when you make the choice to stand, here's what I'm saying. When you make the choice to stand against the enemy and the world and the flesh and the fake news and the problems and the trials and the fears, make no mistake about it. When you make that choice to stand, the enemy's going to heat up the furnace even more. It's a fear tactic. Hmm. He doesn't lay down and take it when we rise up, but neither does the God we serve back down from about <laughs> when we rise up. Oh, when, mm, 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 mm. when you rise up to your feet by faith in the face of all the enemy, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost rise up in the middle of heaven and they say, I have your back. I've already been in front of you. I've already cleared the way. You don't bow down. You take your stand. You may feel like you're going to fall, but you've got to understand I am with you. Daniel chapter 3, verses 20 through 23. The scripture goes on. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Verse 21. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace fully dressed in their pants and turbans, robes, and other garments. Verse 22, And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. Verse 23, So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Listen to that. God never promised that we won't go through difficulty. And he never said that we won't face the fire of trial and hardship. But he does give us a promise to lean on it. Because the good news is this, that when you make the choice to stand, 
you become fireproof. You become fireproof. Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 and 25 said, But suddenly, look at your name and say, Suddenly. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Listen, he said, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Wasn't it three? Yes, Your Majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Verse 25. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men. I see four men unbound. Unbound. Somebody said, I'm going to be unbound. I'm not going to be held down. I'm not going to be tied down forever. I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. King James says, looks like the son of God. I see four men that even in the middle of the trial, you may have to go through the fire, but you're going to walk around in the middle of it, declaring power and authority over it, and Jesus is going to walk all around you and put a hedge and a circle and a protection around you that even the flames are not going to burn you up. <laughs> so not only will Jesus keep us from being burned up in the battle after we make the choice to stand, but he'll be with me in the fire. He walks around protecting us from the heat of the blaze. Now listen to what happens next. We're almost finished. Hang with me. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out! Come here! So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Stepped out of the fire. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm going to step out. I'm going to step out. Here's the promise of the Word of God when you make the choice to stand against the unseen enemy of your soul. Here's the, here's the promise. That just as surely as you go into the fire, you are also going to step out. Just as surely as you go in, you are also going to step out. I'll tell you, this is from the Lord. Because for someone listening, God is just about to bring you out. I feel it in my spirit that for someone hoping for good news, the good news is Jesus is just about to help you step out the fire that you're in. Come on. You need to just receive that. That God is just about to come through for you. That he will answer your prayer and relieve your pain and heal your disease and strengthen your marriage and save your children and increase your resources and send you revival and pour out his power and make a way where there seems to be no way. Because when you're tied up in the middle of a blazing fiery furnace, heated up seven times hotter than normal because the enemy is upset with you and mad that you didn't make the choice to bow down. Listen, that seems like a place where there is no way, but even in the middle of it, God is able to make a way where there is no way. But the choice is the same for us as it was for the men in this story. We can choose to bow, or we can choose to stand and see the power of God displayed. Listen, we need to choose to stand. Choose to stand. I want to try now. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. And uh, I just want to believe with you and pray together with you. Would you just close your eyes with me right now where you're at all over the community. And we're just going to believe for God's uh, goodness and God's grace just to fill this moment that we're in. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, for your presence and for your power. I thank you, Lord, for the people who have tuned in or who will tune in even at a later date. I thank you, Father, that you are opening up channels to people for your goodness and for your hope, Lord God, right now. And Father, if there are people who are watching this broadcast or maybe even sitting in this room, Lord God, that are facing difficulty and challenges that they don't really understand how to face, Lord, help us to know that we make a choice to stand. And when we do, God, you're going to be right there with us. Listen, if you're watching today, and maybe you've never made a decision to serve Jesus and it just feels like everything's come apart in your life. Or maybe you used to serve Jesus, but you've turned away at some point. Listen, 
That's the first step. You need, to, you need to give your life and your heart to Him. You need to give your life and your heart to Jesus. That's the first step. All the good things are gone. And right now, I want you just to do that. We're going to pray together, me and you. And I want you to do that with me right where you're at. Just pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, please forgive my sin. Please come into my heart. And please save me, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for me. For being buried and raising from the dead on the third day. And I believe that you are alive. And I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Mm. Come on, I believe if you pray that God hears that. And that you're going to be a new creation. That old things are gone and new things are coming. I want to pray for the rest of you. Remember, I know it's a little bit difficult to come to the altar, so to speak. Because you're not physically here. Not physically able to receive prayer. But if that's you this morning, I want you to know we're going to pray right now again before we close. But I want you to truly email me, connect at grandviewchurch.online. Send in your prayer need or your testimony or whatever it would be. We want to rejoice with you and pray with you. And that's going to be our altar time, right? But pray right now as we close. Father, I pray for each person watching. And you see the things that they're going through and facing. I thank you, God, that you have all power in heaven and in earth. That you are not limited, God, in any way or even by time and space. But, God, the authority of the name of Jesus is just as relevant and prevalent right now where they are, God, as, as it ever was. God, on the earth. And Lord, we thank you, God, that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. God, every sickness, every fear, every problem, every disease, every hurt, every pain, even my past, it will bow to the name of Jesus. And so for my friend, I pray right now, God, that you help them to appropriate that by faith. And God, only to make the choice to bow to Jesus. That God, as they stand up today, Lord God, it won't be worrying about what's going to happen or worrying about what did happen. But God, it's going to be faith and the power of God that he's going to bring us through. Jesus' name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Listen, I'm so glad that you made the choice to join in with us this morning. Uh, so glad that you're worshiping together with us. And again, uh, just a couple of quick reminders as we finish. Uh, if you want to give, you can go to grandviewchurch.online slash give and, and you can give and worship the Lord that way. Uh, there, also, you can use the hashtags grandviewchurch, hashtag raise, build, encourage, or even today, hashtag choose to stand. And we hope that you'll do that. Uh, until next time, we'll see you later. Have a good week.